So good morning. You are tuned in to the Ladies View podcast with Heather and Celine. How are you this morning? I am okay. I know the Midwest has been hit with a crap ton of snow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We are definitely snowed yes. in this weekend. And guess mm-hmm. what? I don't mind it. I am all good and right. I am excited for today's um, interview. We have a special guest on the line. So mm-hmm. Heather and listeners, I'm sure many of us have been following the case of Chicago Police Officer Jason Van Dyke, the case of where the white cop who was tried and convicted of the murder of 17-year-old Laquan McDonald yesterday was sentenced to 81 months or six years and nine months in prison for the murder. So before we go into detail and give our opinions of what we think of this case, the timing for today's guest just couldn't be better. On the line, well, me too. So let's go ahead and bring them, and then we will go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Absolutely. Hold the line. And Celine, I have Attorney Merritt on the line. All right. So, listeners, you heard that. On the line with us this morning, we have public speaker, mentor, and civil rights attorney, also known as the People's Lawyer, Lee Merritt Esquire. Good morning. How are you doing, Lee Merritt? Good morning, Celine. Good morning, everyone else who's tuning in. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to getting out and doing some, some events for the MLK weekend. Mm. Uh, but I definitely right. was looking forward to this conversation as well. Thank you. So, are you enjoying? Yeah. So, are you enjoying a three-day weekend? Did you say? Do you have an extended weekend for MLK's birthday? So, we've always classified Dr. King's weekend as a day off, not a day on. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, a day on, not a day off. And so, oh, okay. we have some activities lined up for um, um, for Monday service activities. I'll be doing with my kids. So we can call it a three-day weekend, but it's going to be a little more work than normal because I have five kids, and so they're going to be a handful getting out of right. the community. It's nice, nice. It's never a day off when you have children, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I actually have a question before before we get started. I actually have a question. Attorney Merritt, what yes, state are you in right now? Right now I'm in Dallas where it suddenly um, feels like Pittsburgh. <laughs> but, uh, really? I'm, yeah, I'm in Dallas, Texas where it's snowing outside. Wow. Oh okay, so you have what we have. So we're in the Midwest. We are from Chicago. And okay. I'm sure you've seen the news or have read it online and yep. we are snowed in. So yep. I, was, I was actually supposed to be flying to Panama from Chicago yesterday, but the snow uh, threw off my plan. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> Attorney Lee Merritt, let's go ahead and get started on t- for today's podcast. Um, everyone knows who you are, but give us a little bit of your background. Who is Lee Merritt? Well, I'm from Los Angeles, California originally. I was raised in the community uh, known as Lamert Park locally, nationally known as uh, South Central. I uh, was raised the youngest of three brothers, and then 10 years later, came my baby sister, who always feels left out. <laughs> She's a baby girl. Um, and I, I, I came up in, in a single-parent home. Uh, my father was a um, gang member, a member of the Rolling Sixties Crips out in L.A. He spent most mm-hmm. of uh, my life incarcerated. I uh, grew up during 
uh, what some would call uh, the Rodney King era, or the L.A. riots. Um, I like to call it the Cochran era uh, because <laughs> that's when Cochran exactly. began to first make a name for himself uh, right. and began to do some justice work in the streets that I really admired. Um, so I tell a lot of people, um, as a kid, people had Tupac and Digital Underground and uh, Dre on the wall. I had Cochran on the wall. <laughs> I, I, I was really enamored with his career. And um, and that motivated me from a young age to really want to be a civil rights lawyer. Uh, eventually, I, um, I graduated high school, um, the first of my family to graduate high school, and the first of my household, and um and then went on to Morehouse College and then went to Georgia. Um, okay. Just because Sean, Sean King is just in the news recently. I met my, my brother, Fred Sean King, there. And um, and we did some social justice work, not only for Atlanta, but I believe we worked the Sudanese crisis in the Sudan during the uh, genocide in the Darfur. Um, I think of the first justice project we worked on together was Brother Lamia Jamal, who was shot 91 times in New York, um, and, and working to get justice for that family, uh, who was an immigrant who was shot after grabbing his wallet. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm dating myself or how many people remember that. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, yeah, so I graduated. I, ta- I taught for two years in Camden, New Jersey, with Teach for America, um, taught another two years at a school for law and social justice in Atlanta before going back to law school myself. And got my first job with the Cochran firm uh, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. And and then I, I launched my own practice uh, about a few years ago. Okay. Very nice. That yeah, that's, a pretty, that's, that's a pretty heavy background. It really that's, is. That's a that, lot of yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and and the thing is, it's so funny, you know, when, when people are, are seeing you in the media, when they're reading about you online, they don't know your story. Unless yeah. they're really trying to delve into it, they don't know. So we appreciate you sharing that. Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. You can go ahead, Celine. I just wanted to get that out. Yeah, no, of course. So, Lee, what made you want to practice law, specifically civil rights? Well, we we, we experienced a lot as, as as kids in that era in, in South Central. There was a, a notorious what was known as the Rampart Division. That were not, not known not only for racial profiling, uh, but uh, brutality. Uh, it was a very political time, not only in the United States, but for black people throughout the diaspora. I mean, in addition to Johnny Cochran being an inspiration, uh, I was inspired by a lot of the art and the, in, and the entertainment industry that was out, was focusing on the South African apartheid struggle. I remember at a young age watching Denzel Washington. Um, I was rolling a movie called Cry Freedom about Brother Bantu Steve, Steve, Stephen Biko in South Africa, uh, learning about Patrice Lumumba, uh, and, and, and uh, watching uh, somebody who I grew to greatly admire, um, mm-hmm. Reverend Nelson Mandela, who was also a young attorney uh, in South Africa and the freedom work that he was doing. And so um, uh, between the apartheid struggle internationally and other struggles throughout West Africa, liberation struggles throughout West Africa, uh, freedom of of black people and the my own experiences dealing with law enforcement and the criminal justice system that began to incarcerate me at a young age and began to incarcerate my brothers and everybody I knew I knew I wanted to work to begin to change the system. Hmm. Okay. Great. 
Heather, are you mm. on the line? Yeah, I'm here. I am on the line. I'm just listening. So I'm in awe. So sometimes, Celine, when I'm in awe, I get, like, really quiet. So anyway. You do. I, I notice that. <laughs> I do. I do. I get really quiet. So Attorney Merritt, you know, Celine mentioned um, at the top of the podcast that this interview could not have come at a better time in the wake yeah. of what just happened yesterday with Jason Van Dyke. Now, Selena and I did have this conversation last night, and we knew that when the three officers were acquitted on Thursday, we knew something was going to go awry yesterday. What are your thoughts on that? It's frustrating and it breaks my heart because when when those verdicts came in, I began to hear from the mothers of both of them, Jean, that the young man, the accountant who was killed in his apartment complex in Atlanta, I'm sorry, in Dallas a few months ago, back in, back in September. And I began to hear from um, uh, the mother of Antoine Rose. She gave me a call, uh, or a really concerned text, about uh, the, the young 17-year-old who was shot in the back by a police officer in Pittsburgh. I began to hear from all these families that I represent. And they say, look, you know, we are excited. We were excited uh, uh, that at least the people who committed these crimes against our families were indicted for murder and that it looked like justice might be done. But if seven years that may will just shy of seven years that will likely turn into uh, just over three years is what justice looks like. If, if that's what the criminal justice system, uh, how the criminal justice system values black life, then is this all in vain? Um, and it, it, it's, it's just, we have fought a long time in the movement in the courtroom just to get cops indicted. Um, you know, Tamir Rice's killer wasn't even indicted. He's still a cop. He's still applying to be cops. Plus, he was recently hired somewhere in, in, in Ohio. Um, the, um, the man who killed Mike Brown wasn't indicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a lot of these high-profile cases didn't even get to the point of indictment. And so we are moving the ball forward. Uh, but it is bitterly frustrating that moving them forward means even after a murder conviction, the judicial system steps in and, and mitigates uh, the, the sentencing of these individuals. We just saw uh, in Dallas uh, the person who, who murdered Jordan Edwards, Roy Olive. Again, he was a 15-year-old in, in North Texas, a small city called Ball Spring. Um, we just saw that, that cop convicted for murder one, uh, and he was given 15 years that could suspend after seven. Uh, and, it's just, and, and we've seen, uh, you know, conversely, I had a, a family reach out to me in Houston, um, and apparently a, a beautiful young sister who was working as a pharmacist um, was convicted of selling drugs or uh, selling pills on the side, and I'm not sh- sure the veracity of those claims, but long story short, she was convicted, and she was given over 30 years. So if she's sentenced sure. to 30 years as a college educated, no prior, no background, our justice system has dropped the hammer on her. We've seen the justice system drop the hammer on people who, who cast provisional ballots for voting, and they get more time than some of these people who are killing, killing, killing a, a young, unarmed black man. It is extremely frustrating, and it, it makes you reevaluate whether or not this works. Is is actually progressing, or whether it's all just a smokescreen? 
Right, right. Now, are you, and, and I'm not sure if you can, you can answer this or not, are you in a communication with Laquan's family? Yeah, no, I'm not in communication with that family. I'm in communication with a lot of the activists on the ground. Okay. Uh, no, no, I haven't worked directly with that family. Okay, okay. Wow, okay. And Attorney Merritt, I have a question. Um, earlier you mentioned that you started experiencing the injustice at a young age when you were first incarcerated. And we know the situation with Laquan McDonald. He was killed after police were called for threatening to rob a, um, a young man, I believe, he, or another, a man, I should say, and then walking around with the knife. That's why the police were called. So I hate to introduce another issue, but to me it seems that there is an issue with the upbringing of many minority children. What can we do differently to change that and to maybe prevent these situations from happening? And you're absolutely right, and I'm glad that you brought that up. We have a responsibility in our community to reinvest in our community to provide opportunities for youth. My life began to change when I became a part of mentorship programs and people who would step in the role for that absentee father. So the problem is both without or within. The reason I didn't have a father figure in, in my home was because he was in jail. He was in jail because of some of his, his own decisions, but there's so many black people in jail just because we are in the most incarcerated place on the planet. Uh, there is no nation in world history that, is, has, that has incarcerated more of its citizens. And so my dad was an addict, um, and he needed treatment, not incarceration. He needed treatment to get healthy, to get back to his family. And that's the truth for so many black families all around the country. Uh, and so, yeah, we need to mm-hmm. work on our culture and our resources in our community uh, in order to uh, provide more opportunities for our kids. But I'll tell the truth, I was a stick-up kid. I could have been killed by, uh, when I say a stick-up kid, I, when we needed money in my household, I would out have robbed people. Um, right. And so, um, uh, we, so we need to step up as have, a community and help one another create opportunities for the youth, correct? Yeah, that, that's, absolute, that's mm-hmm. absolutely correct. The, the other thing is some of the crimes that we see being committed in the black community, for example, drug, drug dealing, which is probably the, the number one thing that we see, um, youth being involved in that lead to in police encounters that often turn deadly. Those same drug mm-hmm. crimes are occurring in suburban America, they're occurring at Harvard, they're occurring in corporate America. It doesn't lead, lead to deadly encounters. And number one, we're over-policed, um, and mm-hmm. we, we, uh, we allow law enforcement to resort to violence. And then if there's a drug element or a crime element present, it's like we suspend all civil rights. We say, okay, well, if you look at the case of Antoine Rose, he was possibly involved in some criminal activity far prior to him being shot. Uh, mm-hmm. But when he was shot by that law enforcement officer, he was simply a kid running away from a cop. Uh, right, right. Shouldn't, do, shouldn't do that, but our law doesn't allow no. for law enforcement to use deadly force in that situation. It just doesn't. And so, yeah, cops will come into people, come into contact with black youth committing crimes. There's still mm-hmm. guidelines and boundaries by which they can use uh, force. So I just don't want to completely shift the ball. We absolutely have a responsibility. And everyone who is saying Black Lives Matter should be mentoring. They should be in the classroom. They should be uh, pouring resources into the community. They should be te- teaching economic empowerment. But 
if we did all of those things and the culture doesn't change, the numbers won't change either. Right, right. Very, very well said, Attorney Merritt. Now, in recent weeks, um, you know, our nation was um, very much shaken up uh, with the Jasmine Barnes situation. Okay, yep. you and your brother Sean King worked tirelessly. Okay, uh, to bring justice, you know, to that family. Now, initially, when it came out, everyone, um, because of what they were told, they thought it was a white man who killed Jasmine. Now, as you guys were working the case, how did you feel when you found out that, in fact, it wasn't who they thought it was initially? I was I was really frustrated with um, I was disappointed I guess in our community um, because it it did reflect again um, those internal problems that we have to address I I learned a lot in that situation though because that I asked myself would I have gotten involved they said hey I would think it was two black guys who killed this little girl and we don't we don't know where to find them. But I've pulled all the resources that I have and used my time to come down there to hunt down these two young black men. Um, the answer is likely no, but I think we ought, um, I think we should begin to pay more attention to uh, because her life is still as valuable. Uh, the, right. the reason I the reason I say the reason I say no is because our I know that our system is really good at hunting down executing, prosecuting black men. They don't need my help, right? They don't need my resources. Right. They've proven, yeah. right. they proven that they mm-hmm. can do that over and over and over again. Um, but um, there is a hard no-snitching rule in our, in, our, in our community, and the reason that we, we, we got the information that led to the arrests that have been made is because people were willing, and I found this more and more as I investigate even police shootings, people are willing to talk to me my investigators are willing to talk to Sean uh, more than they are law enforcement. Uh, and turning the information over that led to these men, men's arrests was just the right thing to do. Um, but it doesn't happen uh, when it's just law enforcement going into our communities because of the adverse relationship we have with law enforcement. Right. So, you know, with so many tragedies happening, you know, especially in the black community, I mean, it just is what it is. We can't sugarcoat it. We, as a community, need help. But you are at the forefront fighting, seeking justice. Again, like I mentioned, you know, um, a little while ago, you and, and Sean King worked tirelessly. When do you ever get a break? Or do you? I can tell you my, uh, my most recent vacation um, was around Hurricane Harvey. And so it's strange. Mm. Um, um, it wasn't a planned vacation, but I suspended my, my activity at the law firm for a while. Uh, we started an organization called the Black Cross, and it sounds like a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but it was it was for me the best vacation I've ever had. We we uh, we we got the community together from all across the country, wanted to donate resources to the Texas Gulf Coast then eventually the Florida Keys, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. And we organized um, those resources, and we hand-delivered them to communities and, 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 and the islands and, to, and all across the uh, Gulf Coast, not only Houston, but the greater Texas area. And there was a bunch of really energized volunteers. Resources were pooled. 
Um, I got to do things I hadn't done before, like take private jets to the island and deliver goods and then hop island to island on helicopters delivering resources to people in need. Um, and so it was, it was service work, uh, but, but it was hard work and it energized me. And so um, that organization, uh, the American Black Cross, is still around uh, in order to respond internally um, from our community to crises within our community. Uh, but that was a form of vacation for me. Um, I, I have made it a point this year, sort of my New Year's resolution, to take some time to recharge, uh, to focus on physical and mental health. Um, I, I found doing this work that I am susceptible uh, susceptible to depression. Um, and, and it's not discouragement. It's just I deal with death on a daily basis. And I deal with right. often death of young kids. And I have young kids, and it has a greater impact on me than I would like to believe, uh, both physically and mentally. And, you know, uh, mental health is something that our community just doesn't focus on enough, in addition to high blood pressure, diabetes, and eating right, and things like that. And all of those things come to bear on me as well. So I make it a point to um, build in some time to decompress. I think it is important for each of us to do that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very, extremely very important. important. Mm-hmm. It extends your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Attorney um, Merritt, back in April 2018, you wrote a compelling article regarding why blacks should stop supporting R. Kelly. Can you tell us more about that in light of the recent Lifetime docuseries? Yeah, I, I, was, I wrote the article after a young lady came into my office and asked me to represent her. Uh, she had had a relationship with R. Kelly while she was the age of consent at, at 19. Um, but he had infected her with herpes. Um, he had mm. changed a consensual relationship to an abusive one. Um, and, and in addition to taking advantage of her at the ripe age of 19 by firing her with drugs and alcohol and orders her to limit her inhibitions, and get her to do things that she otherwise would not have done. Uh, and this wow. is an almost 50-year-old man and 19-year-old little girl who, who from, who, you know, barely knew what was going on in life yet. So um, I, was, I had the same issue that, that I, I talked about in, in, in Houston with going after these two black men who murdered Jasmine Barnes. I said, well, you know, the system, again, it seems really, really talented at prosecuting right. black men. Why, why should I uh, direct my resources at prosecuting R. Kelly uh, right. when, when the system would be able to do that on its own? Because it hasn't for two decades. He has preyed on little black girls all across yeah. the country, and it has not successfully prosecuted them. The reason it hasn't is because uh, there's a caveat to our system's ability to prosecute black men. They prosecute mm-hmm. poor people uh, mm. very well. Uh, they don't. It's, it, it, they're not as inclined to prosecute uh, wealthy individuals. So when when O.J. Simpson and I mentioned this in the article, when O.J. Simpson went to trial, he went to trial as a, a black man. He went to trial as O.J. Simpson, and the system mm-hmm. is not as talented at prosecuting them um, unless their victims are white. And we saw that in the case of Bill Cosby. Uh, the reason yeah. they could take down that that um, you know, media giant and multimillionaire, uh, 
it part, partly was due, due to the mountain of evidence, but we've seen um, rich people get away with um, uh, crimes despite right. mountains of evidence. We saw R. Kelly get away with crimes despite actually being on videotape, assaulting a 15-year-old right. little girl. Um, uh, he got away with it because of his resources, but he also, I believe he has given away with it because he, he has a predilection for young black girls, and our system is just not successful yeah. at protecting black women. I think Malcolm X said the black woman is the least, the most unprotected person in America, and I believe that to be true. Um, oh, and, and so I think we have a responsibility as a community to stop trying to give R. Kelly the prosecuting black man pass. That's not what's going on here. He's getting away with um, preying on the black community because our system is not inclined to prosecute him because of his choice of victim, and we are not inclined to prosecute him because of this false loyalty to protecting black men. We should protect black men in a lot of situations. He is not worthy of our protection, and we need to deal with him as a community. Yeah, very well. And I, I think, you know, unfortunately, again, it has taken 20 years, but it's going to happen at this point. He can't yes. escape this. He can't. I mean, it's there's there's too many red flags. There's too many facts. There's too many people that are coming to the to you know the forefront and talking about this. Now, Attorney Merritt, I read somewhere that you are a spoken word artist. I Is am. I am. I am. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to focus more, and that's part of that. My own mental health. It was a time that I really enjoyed it, but that you know, poets and artists and things like that, they sit around and they write prose and they just kind of decompress and they get inspired by listening to other music and listening to other artists. And I've had no time to do that in, say, the last 10 years. I can't remember the last time oh, I actually wow. wrote something. And, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's a part of me that I really want to reconnect to um, in order to, uh, you know, enjoy that aspect. I really enjoy it. Um, and so get a chance to do that again. Absolutely. You may find that very therapeutic. Oh, good question. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. We kind of cut each other off. But do you have you performed anywhere, or do you? Do you plan to? I plan to. Um, I, at most speaking engagements, I will incorporate some part uh, spoken word, um, especially when I'm speaking to youth, uh, because this is just the easy way to connect them, connect with them. But I can't remember the last time I performed just for performance sake. Um, not since I've been practicing law. Perfect. Well, you may find that to be very therapeutic. (laughs) So, well, Attorney Lee Merritt, we want to thank you very much for joining the podcast this morning. We appreciate your time. Before we go, what can we expect from you in 2019? We are are focusing on um, taking the show on the road, essentially. So, um, what what I what I found is that, that uh, I've been serving in a role as what Dr. King called a fireman, right? So mm-hmm. um, if, if you read the, uh, a series put together by Taylor Branch about the life of Dr. King, as we we talk about King Day weekend, he wrote a three part series about the life of Dr. King and the different stages that he went through. Uh, as he began to do social justice work, people would say, "Hey, you know, they're violating our rights." In, in Alabama, can you come in? He would show up like a fireman to put out a fire. And for mm. the first part of my career, I believe that's what I've been doing. I've been going from state to state, um, 
shining the light on injustice, demanding certain results, filing lawsuits, and putting out a fire. Uh, this year, mm-hmm. in 2019, what we're trying to do is step back and host our own campaigns and be more direct. And so what, what Dr. King did in the latter part of his career, he said, all right, we're going to camp out for the summer and have to host a Freedom Summer, and we're going to demand that certain legislation moves forward. We're going to start the poor man's campaign um, uh, that demands certain outcomes, not in response right. to an event, but creating the event. And so I'm making it a point to to take on certain issues within our, within our, within our community, within the criminal justice system, uh, right. outside of a tragic event happening, but creating campaigns to, uh, to, to get specific mm-hmm. outcomes in the area of uh, civil rights. And so I'm looking forward to, to, to doing that in 2019 and going forward. Great. Thank you very much. And we will continue to follow you, continue to follow your work. And there you have it, everyone, is civil rights attorney Lee Merritt focusing on issues such as equality, human rights, and discrimination. Attorney Lee Merritt, where can the people find you? Uh, com or com. I'm on uh, Facebook and Twitter as LeeMerrittESQ. Um, and on Instagram, that's LeeMerrittESQ. Perfect. Thank you very much. And you can read more on Attorney Lee Merritt on our website. We are at www.theladiesview.com. Thank you guys for tuning in this Saturday morning. And until next time, you have a great week. Thank you, Attorney Lee. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You, you as well. Bye. Bye.